You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to your favorite day of the week. This is Locked On NBA. I am joined, at all, as always, by Adam Maris. I've, I've just realized I've been calling you Adam Maris this whole time. Adam Maris. How are you doing, Adam Maris? You just realized that? Yeah, I just realized that. <laughs> I honest to God that you were doing it on purpose, and I just, I just, you know, like, we always insult each other. I thought that was your little insult for me. No, no, I was just, I was just whitewashing your name for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> um, hey, the NBA is back. It's back, baby. We have, like, actual games to completely overreact to. This is great. Oh, I can't wait. I have so many hot takes. <laughs> I'm already writing off, like, half of the teams in the league. They're done. <laughs> They're done, uh, Anthony. Stick <laughs> a fork in him. <laughs> trade LeBron. Lakers don't deserve him. All right, today does he even does he even have any trade value? No, I, don't know. I don't know, man. He, he kind of coasted. Uh, today's show, the way this is going to go, because it was LeBron's debut with the Lakers. We're going to start, and this was Adam's idea, mind you guys. I, <laughs> I, I I host Locked On Lakers. This was Adam's idea. He wanted to talk about the Lakers. So the first segment of this, the first few minutes of this, is going to be talking about going in depth on the game that just ended a little bit ago between the Lakers and the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, the second segment, we're going to take a trip around the NBA and, and have some quick reactions to the stuff that we saw uh, over these last few first few days of the NBA season. And then finally, and this is something that, Adam, I think you should really be proud of, uh, you put together a really cool project about yes. Will the Thrill Barton. And so we are going to just throw we're, – we're going to – I'm, it's going to be basically a big trailer to force you guys to listen to this thing because it was a really cool project. He's a really cool dude, so I can't wait to talk about that. Oh, so you guys are going to absolutely love it. It's 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 incredible. It's gotten a great response, and I think it's something just so different. People are going to really connect. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk about Lakers and Trailblazers. As we said a second ago, the Lakers regular season is over. Uh, they, they haven't won a game in months, Adam. They haven't won a basketball. <laughs> they have not won a regular season game in months. Fortunately, the, the Trailblazers snapped their, their four-game losing streak dating back to the, the playoffs. That's, that's a fact. So, so way to go for those guys. Uh, but I'm, I'm interested to hear this from your perspective because obviously Laker fans are overreacting in one way. NBA at large is always going to overreact to, to the Lakers in general. The reason I like doing the show with you is because you tend to be a little bit more centered. So from your perspective, how did you see, what did you see from Lakers Blazers? Well, I think the number one thing I take away from this is the same thing I took away in the preseason. This benched unit is just not very good. And I think it's going to be a, and they can't defend. And I think that's a real issue for this uh, Lakers team. Everybody in that lineup is minus a double digit negative um, in their minutes. And of course, you know, single game plus minus doesn't tell the whole story. But I think through the preseason and through this game, it really did. I don't think that second unit makes a lot of sense. I love Lonzo Ball, but giving him Lance Stevenson, um, you know, Beasley. My, Michael Beasley, Kyle Kuzma, even I just don't know. Like, I didn't feel like Lonzo was in position to do Lonzo things at all in his game today. Um, so the the number one thing that stuck out to me was just that that unit um, and and how much has to go right for them to be successful. I think it's worth pointing out first and foremost that Lonzo was on a minute restriction. Now that in and of itself was a little surprising given I think he played like in both of the games that he played in the preseason, he played 20 plus minutes. I don't know why the Lakers just randomly just scaled him back. So if we want to call that a red flag, then we can call that maybe mm. a red flag. Uh, Interesting. You want my hot take? You want my conspiracy theorist kind of point yes. on this? 
You ready yes, for this? I am. I honest to God think that the Lakers as an organization wanted Rondo to close and play the majority of these minutes, and they played Lonzo on a minutes restriction because of that. That's, he was, that's a, I love that theory. It's possible. He was healthy in the preseason. He looked fine in the preseason. Now, he looked terrible while he was on the court, but I think that had that kind of gets back to what you were saying in regards yeah. to who he was playing with. I Look, I just think any minutes where Lance Stevenson and Michael Beasley are on the court together for the Lakers are going to be a disaster. Outright but but they're, but they're even But even like Lonzo, like Lonzo's not a type of player that's going to take over a lineup or anything like that. He's going to get the ball where it's supposed to go. Well, Lance Stevenson just grabs the ball and holds it. Michael Beasley just grabs the ball and holds it. Like th- There's no value in a setup guy when a guy's just going to have the ball in his hand and dance around for a little bit. So yeah. I didn't like that, but that wasn't the only thing. Like that's It's honestly almost a side note to what I think were some of the real problems with this Lakers, at least tonight, and we can't overreact to one, to one night, especially when we talk about shooting, but 7 for 30 from the three-point line and – it's not like there was a lot of like great drives and you kick to the reliable open guy. There was just a lot of shots from guys I didn't feel like were going to make it, and they didn't. So to me, that was really noteworthy. Wait, like who who won the Lakers when the ball goes out to them? Did you feel like do you feel like the ball's just not going in? Because to well, no, I'm just I'm just going to answer the ask the question. Who do I feel like is not going in? Yeah, like when the ball goes. So like Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma. Those guys, I, I think the ball's going in when they shoot it. Um, I, have, I have like confidence in them. Everybody else from the behind the three point line, even KCP, I just, uh, you know, maybe it'll go in, I, but I'm not surprised that it doesn't go in. Brandon Ingram, he's a good player, but a three point shot, I just, I'm not surprised that it doesn't go in. And LeBron, I think he can be a good three point shooter. I mean, we've seen him make a ton of threes, but I'm not surprised that he was 0 for 4 tonight. And when you have enough of those guys, then there's going to be nights where you get. Ingram, 0 for 4. LeBron, 0 for 4. Uh, 1 for 7 from Kuzma. 1 for 4 from Lonzo. 0 for 3 from Lance. Like, I just, that's that's a bad run. That's an exceptionally bad run. But all of those guys are not just capable of having those nights. They're all somewhat likely to have those nights regularly. So it'll, it's just given that it'll fall on the same nights a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. I think there's, there's something to be, I, I'm not going to disagree with that point. I mean, I'd be disagreeing with facts, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because career, like we just look at yeah. career numbers for these guys, and they're not they're not thirty eight to forty two percent three point shooters. Those guys, they're they're below that. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I, I, the reason I'm not going to overreact is because opening night, just weird stuff happens on opening night. Like it was also on the road against a playoff hopeful team. Like they were supposed whose to lose. Owner this game. just passed away. Like <laughs> there, yeah. that building was erupting every time something remotely positive happened. I I thought what? I and and look and look, kudos to the. It was a tremendous crowd. I thought I think Portland in general always feeds off really well with their crowd. I thought the Lakers did well to hang into it. I, I like that. All I cared about was not seeing them get blown out. That's that was my lone expectation. Well, the game was fun. I think the Lakers are going to be fun this year. Um, a one hundred, a one thirteen point five pace for the game is like, yeah, it was fun, man. Like, I just like that they're going to play this fast. The sequence of the night was the LeBron dunk, Damian dunk, LeBron dunk, like back to back to back. Like, how fun was that? That was crazy. That's, that really is like eighties basketball, where the ball gets <laughs> up the court in three seconds, and it, it was the crowd was into it. It was fun. I, I mean, the Lakers were fun. I just think that. 
I would say so far through preseason and through one game, a lot of the things we've seen from this team is exactly what everybody thought. So whether that's confirmation bias on a small sample size or whether that's just a sign that, no, actually the obvious answer is the right one, you know, time will tell, but it certainly doesn't, it's certainly not surprising at this juncture. You know who really liked the way the game went? Who? Nick Young. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, so he's trying to get a ten day, man. He's man. He took a heat check. He had the biggest heat check yeah, of the night. Shoot your shot, Nick. Shoot your My shot. My question is, why delete it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can't delete. Yeah. All um, right, just be yourself. Well, I wanted to make one other point, and Go it's on. actually about Portland. Uh, oh, very yeah, interesting development for Yusef Nurkic to play just uh, seventeen minutes tonight. Zach Collins to play twenty six. Zach Collins a plus twenty four, the highest in the game, and Nurkic a minus seventeen, the lowest in the game for either team. Really, really interesting development. Um, a lot of that, I would say, probably seventy percent of that had to do with matchups and just Zach Collins more nimble guy. Yep. But it's something to keep an eye on. I like Zach Collins. I think he's more built for the modern NBA. Nurkic is a player who I think has never understood the aspects of his game that are good versus the ones that are not good, like his post-ups and his constantly wanting to shoot the ball. <laughs> not good, but he yep. does a lot of other stuff good. And so I think it, it, it's one of those things that I at least write down because I think that could be an interesting development at some point in the season. Is Zach Collins catching up to Nurkic, and is he better in a lot of important situations? If there was a game that Nurkic should have dominated, it was it was this one. Yeah, I mean, it is hard for him to defend in space, right? Like, he is a bruiser, but you just, he has to be a guy that can punt. And he is, when he's been, locked in, that's he is the, good at grabbing offensive rebounds and punishing guys. That's been the story with the Lakers' small ball lineups is that the, the guys who are going in there aren't taking advantage of, of their quickness over the bigs because they, they just don't yes. have that. That's been a problem. All right, we're going to take a quick second here. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the rest of the NBA basketball that we watched over the course of the week. It was a really fun week. I, th- I actually like. So much fun to just watch actual basketball that matters, kind of, sort of, because so it's an ABC game season. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll be back in a second. I watched baseball the other day, Anthony. What? I had to. I was that that game. I was up till one in the morning watching it. Oh, you watched the the Dodgers one that went that late, that late, that late. Man, I had to. Uh, the NBA was just getting back. I think that was opening <laughs> night of the NBA, and I was I was too pumped up. <laughs> yeah, no, I I've been there. I'm probably not sleeping. I thought I was going to go to the DMV tomorrow morning, but that's just not happening. It's just <laughs> no, it's definitely not happening. All right, let's take a trip around the NBA. Um, the first game that I think both you and I have as the most notable outcome from this opening week was the New Orleans Pelicans going into Houston on opening night and obliterating the Rockets. The Rockets were never close. Let's. Uh, we have to caveat everything here with we're not overreacting to this. We're just talking. We're just talking about it because it's <laughs> interesting, right? I when you're. I'm overreacting to this one. I am not oh. high on. I'm not. I I, I started the offseason not high on on Houston. I yeah. am remaining not high on Houston. I think it's. I look. I'm high on Houston because they proved it last year, and I think I think they can do a lot of the same things. But I actually look at this differently, Anthony. I think what's interesting to me is I think New Orleans is good. 
and oh, yeah. I know this is a this is not a hot take, right? This is a very cold Turns take. But having Anthony, Anthony Davis, <laughs> having Anthony Davis, thirty two point sixteen rebounds, eight assists, three steals, three blocks. He almost had a triple double and a five by five, uh, <laughs> while also shooting thirteen of twenty one. But here's the big story: I think people don't realize, you know, Alvin Gentry, very good, I think, coach, underrated because of like the flawed roster he had when he first inherited this New Orleans team. Mm-hmm. A much smarter roster now, but he has an assistant coach in Chris Finch who comes from Houston, who comes from Denver, and who helped build very, very, very good offenses in both places. I think he is a a very high-level offensive assistant who is in large parts responsible for Nikola Jokic's breakout in Denver. And I think that just seeing how they played that game, bringing the bigs up, giving Anthony Davis more responsibilities, eight assists. He's not known as an assist guy. You get that many assists, I think that he just knows how to put his bigs in position to make plays. And 131 points, that offense looks to be cooking. Yeah, it wasn't a matter of guys hitting astronomical shots. They were getting whatever they wanted against Houston consistently. Uh, shot, Julius Randle is my pick for, for either six-man or most improved this year. I think he's, he's, gonna, he's really effing good. 25 points. And, and again, this is the, 36 assists in this game from the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. This is a sign of a healthy team that is knows their identity and, and is just like just operating on all cylinders. The next one, I was surprised that you pointed this out to me, but you you found it interesting that Indiana wiped the floor with Memphis. I wasn't that surprised because I'm really low on Memphis. They just seem like a sad organization. Sorry, Memphis, whoever. <laughs> Memphis. My only point would be that, you know, Mark Gasol and, uh, you know, Mike Conley, those guys, they missed so much of last year that you think, okay, well, once they're back, they'll be fine. But and... but it really, there really might be something. I mean, again, this is one game, but two for eleven for Marcus All, three for eleven for Mike Conley, eighty three points as a team, um, just absolutely insane. You're right. Maybe they're not good. Again, it's one game. We're not going to overreact. But um, you you want to know what's a bad sign? What's that? This is reductivist. But you, you the, the, look. Anytime somebody convinces themselves that Chandler Parson, this is the uh, year he's staying healthy, <laughs> like that shit, it's just not going to happen. I, I, also, 20, 23 minutes, man. Like, that's a, I mean, <laughs> yeah, six points. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Three and nine shooting. Oh, the my resurgence gosh. of Chandler. No, it's had, not happening. His line was six points, one rebound, zero assists. That's not a good line. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, your team, Denver, goes into Los Angeles. Uh, kind of hangs tight with with the Clippers, but couldn't defend Boban. Like Boban was out there just wrecking fools. This is not surprising. Boban had two dunks in this game where he did not jump. It was amazing. <laughs> he had two dunks where his feet on the on the floor. I'd never seen it before. He wrecked I saw it a basketball. <laughs> he re- yeah. he wrecked a hoop. You know what's funny is after that moment, so that he dunked so hard that they had to like call a, a timeout to come measure the hoop and make sure it wasn't <laughs> tilted because it looked tilted. Uh, I think that they they went like two for nine after that. The, the Clippers did to close out the game. So you know maybe Boban did wreck the wreck the rim hey, for them. But if, uh, you, if that's how you can shave points, like that's a, yeah. that's a good way to do it. I'm not but, saying it. <laughs> but this I don't think that game was too noteworthy. Uh it was ugly. Denver pulled it out, but um another one that was noteworthy to me, Phoenix dropped 121 points uh against Dallas, which okay, that's two teams that I think on paper are relatively similar. You know, they're both in rebuilds. They both have some pieces, but I don't think they have it all together. 121 points. The big story here for me, Phoenix new head coach uh Kakashkov 
rave reviews around the league. Everybody in the know swears this guy is great, and you get a Phoenix Suns team that doesn't even have an experienced point guard to go out there and drop 35 assists, something they only did one time all of yeah. last season. To me, that's, again, another sign of a team that's very, very healthy. You had multiple guys get six or more assists. Four different players got six or more assists. Uh, maybe there's something brewing in Phoenix. I thought that was a fantastic audition from Trevor Ariza for teams that are looking to buy, like that, ho- hoping he hits the buyout market. I thought that was really cool. Uh, but, no, I, here, look, I, I think that my thing with Phoenix is at some point they're going to need a, a point guard. Like they went up against a team, Dallas, who's, who's Dallas's lead point guard? Dennis Smith Jr., who's in his second season, doesn't really look that impressive, really. And I don't know. He had, I, he had a bad, he had a very bad game. He did. And, and Doncic looks slow. Like he just, you know, I, I think it's a tough matchup for him, but he looked kind of slow. Yeah. Uh, the last one that you found notable was, oh, well, you have two of them, but but Milwaukee kind of they 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 got way out in front, and then Charlotte got crept back into it. What are you taking away from that matchup? Not a whole lot, other than I thought Milwaukee would blow the doors off of Charlotte. So the fact that they allowed the team back in, kind of, you know kind of noteworthy to me. I think Milwaukee is everybody's darlings. Um, But the other game that I saw, Sacramento put 117 points up on Utah. The pace of that game wasn't that fast. 108, a little fast, but not that fast. So Utah, number one defense in the NBA. Well, they just went up against Sacramento and gave up 117. That's very surprising. That is. That is. That is interesting. Although, again, opening night, weird stuff happens opening night. Weird stuff does happen. it's, It's just it's one of those things in the NBA. All right. We're going to take another quick second here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Adam's project that I cannot stress enough was really, really cool, so, so hang tight. So let's start here. Uh, you have an, an, an introductory, you have a teaser clip here. And it did a great job on me. I mean, I was interested after listening to it. So, so let's just play that clip. We'll come back and we'll react to that a little bit. Uh, it, it's, I, look, I cannot stress, I cannot exaggerate how cool a clip this was and how cool it was to see so many people give Adam the access to make this thing work. It was really fun to listen to. Well, I'm different. I'm different. And uh, a lot of people don't understand it. Will Barton is one of the most fascinating players in the NBA. A talented scorer, passer, and playmaker, Thrill combines the style and flair of the league's most high-profile showmen with the smooth grittiness of the league's toughest players. His swagger off of the court is matched only by his ability to connect with coaches and teammates from all different walks of life. Uh, He's a a great guy, a great teammate. His enthusiasm for practice and the game is the same. He's a fun fun dude, you know, he always uh, keeps the mood light around here. Hilarious. Uh, funny, cracks a lot of jokes. Just a great guy to be around. He loves to play. Uh, he, he's a, a gamer. Uh, hardworking. Yeah, honest. God, you know, he's always ready to go to war with you at all times. He don't give a f- uh, uh, sh- uh, f- about anything. Gets along with everybody. Not a guy that like um, has beef with anybody. and is, He's just a cool guy to be around. Good friend. He's one of the most fun teammates I've had. All right, so where'd this idea come from, though? Like, it's interesting. You yeah, <laughs> it's it. He's an interesting dude, but where did it, where did this all come from? Well, I think that was where, where where it all starts for me is Will Barton. You know, I've been covering him now for four years, and he's just one of the most um, 
interesting guys. He's funny. He gets along with everybody. He's just so charismatic and he's a role player, right? Like he's not a star. He plays in Denver. People don't know his story, but he had such a fascinating backstory, such a, so many like just great little, little parts of his life that he was willing to share. And then on top of that, he's one of the best storytellers because he's so interesting. So I thought it'd be great to get him for an hour, have him tell me his life story and then interview a bunch of people around him and kind of try to piece it together in a documentary style type thing. One thing that, that really shone through to me is that like, you know, in the NBA and just in life in general, bull crap happens and and it it was just it's funny to 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 hear the stuff that he has gone through and then for him to like imagine the stuff that he has gone through and then you get to these like little minor little drama things i can just imagine his reaction to some of it so we have a clip here on on baltimore basketball and the scene that he comes from and i think that paints a lot of w- what you see in his game now yeah, so he grew up in in Baltimore in some of the roughest neighborhoods, and one of the things I liked about him, he's so reflective. Like he's such a thoughtful person, you can tell. And he he's talking about the the basketball in Baltimore, and I got some quotes from the Nuggets general manager Tim Conley. I got some quotes from his personal trainer on this, and it's just kind of cool. You get to see the how he was shaped by his environment. Here, I'll play the clip. Gritty, tough, um, physical, emotional. Um, it's just different, man. Uh, we really go at each other's necks, and it's not really pretty. Uh, it's just a grind. It's a grind. Baltimore guards are like the toughest people in the world. We're, we're we're known for having scoring guards, and then if you go back to like you know, there's a lot of NCAA history. But you got to look at we have you know we're known for like tough nosed guards, tough nosed scores, um, and we're just known for guys you know play hard and can feel, you know can can uh, score a ton of points. That's Dan Conley, the younger brother of Tim Conley and Will's assistant coach at the University of Memphis. He's also somebody that's trained Will Barton in the off seasons and provided notes for him throughout the regular season. You're pretty much taught from an early age that a jumper's a bad shot. <laughs> so <laughs> you got to get close, close, and close to the rim. And some of it's, you know, it's environmental. Most of these gyms I talk about, the, you know, the Bentlow Rec Centers, the, uh, the Upton Rec, well, Upton's now a boxing gym, but Cecil Kirk, Bentlow, Robert C. Marshall, Mount Royal, these really proud rec centers. The gyms are about 55 feet, and you open the door, and you have about six inches. So you're playing five on five in, in little gyms. You have to have handle. You have to be able to attack. Uh, you have to be able to deal with physicality. Um, and it's, uh, it's certainly not for uh, the meek, uh, but I, I think um, if you talk to a lot of college coaches, they can – I don't know if it's still the case, but you can usually kind of see a Baltimore team. They're going to be a little edge, going to be a little wild. They're going to play really, really hard. Baltimore, Baltimore is you know, a hotbed, um, especially if you think about Maryland. If you combine D.C. basically in the state with Maryland, which it kind of is, the city, um, if you combine that, it's probably the best basketball in the world outside of Los Angeles. And I, you know, if you put a team of those guys head to head, it would be pretty much like you know um, a, a toss-up, which I think Baltimore and Maryland would win. So while the style of play is gritty and tough and the courts are compact, that means there's nowhere on the court to hide. That style of play lends itself to another defining characteristic about Baltimore hoops, the one-on-one matchup. You know, that's one of the things that's big in Baltimore, man. They love to see that one-on-one matchup. Guys go at it, talk a little trash, so I might got my my crew that's backing me and somebody got their crew backing them and they want to talk until we uh, finally show, show down. And you talked about him as a storyteller, and I thought that was really important. Like, projects like this just don't work 
if the person who is the central topic is not willing to go places with you. Right. And I, and I right. thought he was willing to go places with you over the course of your guys' conversation. Yeah, there was nothing off limits. And, you know, I started the conversation with, you know, hey, this is your story. I want you to tell it if there's parts you don't want to tell, whatever. But as I brought up things from my research about the past, you know, family troubles and financial troubles and, you know, just something like that, he's an open book. I mean, he he approaches everything. He's just so honest and so open. And even, you know, another clip I want to play, you know, he got drafted. He was supposed to be a first-round player. He was Conference USA Player of the Year. His his stock was sky high, but he fell to the second round. And when he got to Portland, he was out of the rotation. And a lot of these guys, you talk to them and you ask them about what it's like in those moments and oh ne- never lose confidence always this or that they just have the macho bravado false bravado well he was just so open and honest with those moments and, and i think it's really what as a listener you really start to connect with him and you really start to feel for him and even start to root for him so here i'll play that clip about his his struggles in portland training camp was will's first eye-opener as he'd soon find out that the nba grind can be unforgiving for me it was tough you got my i'm only 21 just getting out of college i don't know nothing I don't know no terminology as far as NBA terminology. Uh, I don't know, you know, no sets, no plays. Um, I'm new to the team. I'm not really comfortable with anyone yet. Um, I feel like everything's moving so fast mm. on the court and off the court. Um, you don't feel like, I mean, I'm already skinny, so I, at that time, I'm feeling like, man, I'm littler than everyone. Now guys are more athletic than me. Um, I'm not considered the best player on the team, so no one's just, you know, catering to me. So it, 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 it's, it's a reality check. It's a, tough, it's a tough reality check. As the season began, Barton was finding himself stuck on the bench collecting DMPs or playing a minute here and there in garbage time. Tough. It's tough for me because at that point now, I'm looking, this is the first time in my career I'm not playing. I'm not one of the guys... The only concern was how would he deal with not playing because he's such a hooper. So I, I didn't have any concern long-term, but I did think short-term, how are you going to handle being the 13th guy? How are you going to handle being told that we just want you in the corner um, doing this or that? And now you just think like, whoa, you know, am I not good enough? You feel embarrassed. Uh, you just sitting there. Yeah. You just sitting there. And it, it, helped, it, helped, it helped me grow. It helped me grow. I just it's just incredible stuff, I think, from him. And and the nice thing about the story, you know, he walks me through elementary to high school to college to to Portland and then ultimately to Denver, where he found a home and he's now starting. He's got a four year deal. He's really found a second home here in Denver. And it's just to me, it's such a great story of lows to, to highs to, to falling back down to the lows and then back up to the highs. And it's such a great story. And he, I have to give him a ton of credit because he does such a great job of, of telling it. Absolutely. I, I thought he played in what, four different high schools or he moved high schools like three different times. Yeah. So he played, yeah, he had four different high schools and they were all so different. It wasn't, yeah. you know, he had an inner city, really rough school. He had a prep school all the way up in New Hampshire in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) uh, private schools, national prep schools. I mean, he just, it it was really, really neat. And what I like about the story and what I like about him is, you know, he's so open about the different experiences, but also you can tell that he learned something different from every single experience. And he's so reflective on that and how those different opportunities really, really helped him to get to where he was. And, And that's really what the story is about. 
I can only imagine the first time he cashed his first NBA, first NBA check, like with his family, given everything that he's gone through, like what that moment would have been like the first time he sees all those zeros. That would have been incredible. Well, funny enough, he's also the most confident guy in the world. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's like, he's got some swagger. A funny story that's not in there. Uh, he bought this incredible, like, I think it's, a, I'm going to get this wrong. It's, I think it's like a, uh, man, I can't remember what kind of car it is. So I'm, I don't even want to say, <laughs> but, I, but he buys this incredible custom built car. Uh, and he, he orders it before he actually gets his first NBA check. <laughs> he was so confident that he was going to make the league that he actually ordered it. Uh, before he actually had money to pay for it um so that's incredible really funny guy yeah he's he's great so check it out it's called thrill it's on denver stiffs it's on adam's locked on nuggets feed it's it's, on locked on nuggets it's a couple days old so you have to scroll down in the feed but you'll find it there i broke it into two parts and it's about an hour all told um well you're 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 also on at, at adam Mattis. Underscore right. Mattis, and it's your pinned tweet. So correct. Yeah. So go find Adam on Twitter, and then and then check it out there, and and do. And it'll be in the description of this show as well. I'll have yeah. you add a link to it, so it's it's there for people. Oh, I'm. I guess I'm. I guess I'm. Doing <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it then for this episode of the Friday edition of Locked On NBA. We are back, everybody. The NBA back. is back. We are. We're. I, I can't wait to talk about. And overreact to every single week. I can't wait to next week sign on here and say that the Houston Rockets are the title favorites. That's going to be fun. Um, Thanks, Adam, for, for hopping on. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and have a great weekend. You're welcome.